All right, everybody, welcome back. It's Monday is a big week friend of the pod Brad Gerstner has penned an open letter. It's exploded on Wall Street today to the Meta Corporation, aka Facebook on behalf of his fund altimeter capital, we're going to break down uh, why he wrote this letter and what it says. Yeah, it's basically a plan for Meta to cut CapEx boost free cash flow, or one assumes hmm. alt cap is out. We'll mm. see. And then we cover uh, the Firefest Island back in the news as a home for uh, luxury properties to be purchased with NFTs. And Fast Company has published a hit piece on Divi Homes and the CEO, Adina Hefetz. And we'll break that down and just how for you, you can identify when a story feels biased and it's a hit piece, which is when we kind of agree feels like. It's got the vibe. It's got the vibe. Mm. And then we just have some random musing, random musings at the end of the show because you know what? We miss each mm. other on the weekend, and then <laughs> yes. when we come back together, we just want to talk about like China and the future of humanity and whether we're progressing in the right direction, and then Jade trade portfolios, and yeah, we just we it's like we you know you gotta hang out, reconnecting on Mondays, a standard Monday show. Oops. So it's gonna be a great episode. Stick with us. This week in startups is brought to you by Linode. Apply to Linode's Rise program for founder-led early-stage startups and get a $500 credit, up to $120,000 in infrastructure credits in year one, cloud consulting, and so much more. Apply at linode.com slash twist. House of Macadamias is the next big health trend. Get 20% off your first purchase at houseofmacadamias.com slash twist by using code twist20. And Vanta. Compliance and security shouldn't be a deal breaker for startups to win new business. Vanta makes it easy for companies to get a SOC 2 report fast. Twist listeners can get $1,000 off for a limited time at vanta.com slash twist. All right, everybody, it's Monday and there's a lot of news for us to discuss. But first up, Molly, how was your weekend? You have a decent weekend? I did. I did my I did some really good hikes, not dangerous. Mm -hmm at all hmm. uh hmm. some halloween decorating some real quality time with my child it's just it was a great nice. weekend it was like just chill Always there was nice, like yeah. a lot of travel recently just whew, shut it all down it's great it was a awesome. little downtime always a good thing a little downtime always a good thing and i i got a little downtime the 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 kids and the wife went out a little bit on saturday and i just i worked uh, i was like you know what i'm just gonna go dive into the slack replies and just, you know, we have this founder slack with 400 of our founders in it. Mm -hmm. And so at any point in time, I can just do two or three hours of just going through our portfolio companies and just saying hi and jumping into conversations. It's wildly efficient. Oh, it's Super wonderful. Wildly I know it is kind of nice. My son was actually supposed to have friends over on Sunday and I was mm. like, this is going to be amazing. I'm going to get so much work done. And then they bailed on him and I was like, son of a biscuit. <laughs> so I had to go to, had to, go to bed. I do this thing yeah. where I'm like, I have to go to bed at eight and I get in my laptop. I get in bed with the laptop Oof, and I'm like, yeah, the device gets you every time. Now, if you want to. No, I do it on purpose. I'm like, good night, son. You know, like I have to go to bed now and it's really just so I can get some work done. I got him. Love him. But he really wants to hang out with me still. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm right around that point where they, I understand, you know, 12 to 15 ish, they start you know, like the peer group and other things become as important as mom and dad or whatever. And so I think I'm, you know, enjoying the last days with my 12 year old before yeah. the, she starts uh, finding more meaning, but it's been delightful. Uh, I took Oh, by the way, I took them all to see Black Adam on Friday at my favorite oh, movie theater. Oh, nice. 
we have these fancy uh, Sinopolis theater. Shout out to them. Like you press a button, you can order food. So when you have kids, this is like a super unlock because it's dinner and a movie at the same time. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So in terms of efficiency, you know what I'm talking about. You know, I like, do. I, even down to I just have to pay one credit card bill. I don't have to fill out two slips. I can just zip, zip, Magical. zip. And it's dessert. So, you know, we, we get everything done. And my Lord, these kids love this movie theater and doing this. It, and it was... It, was Black Adam was good? Excellent. The kids loved it. Excellent. I'm not a rock guy. Like, I'm not into The Rock. I know that he's a big draw. And I was Love super skeptical about this one. But, but, no spoilers or anything. But, but you know, it does seem based on the uh, conversation we, with, with uh, which we had with um, the new head of, if people missed it last Thursday, we had the new head of DC Comics on, uh, Lon Harris, who's running yeah. the show over there. Yeah. And uh, he said he was gonna have multiple timelines in his new version of this, you know, how to manage DC. And I'm really much very much enjoying, you know, this timeline, which is the kind of the Snyder, Patty Jenkins verse. And now it seems like the rock is going to be the anchor of this because Black Adam, which is a character I really did not care about. Mm -hmm. Is awesome. He's just an Mm. awesome fun character. Um, and right. he, he's going to fit in quite nicely. And they had this like um, Pierce Brosnan was in there. As long as they leave room for Aquaman, Lon. As long as you leave room yes, for Aquaman. Because I'm Keep Aquaman listen, in the mix. I love The Rock. I am a longtime Rock fan. I'm all, I you? go all the mm. way back to the people's eyebrow. Like, love The Rock. But don't be kicking my Aquaman out of bed for eating crackers here. Yeah. No, he's great. I, I And uh, so anyway, delightful film, delightful time with the kids. It was very cute, too, because, you know, I got the six-year-olds and... Um, we sit in these big chairs. Now, when you're in a double chair, like two, it's almost like two reclining chairs, like two first class giant chairs Aww. with a little arm between it. And she put the arm up and she just starts snuggling me. You know, we got my arm around her, she got her head on my chest. Oh, we're watching oh. Black Adam together while eating pepperoni pizza. I mean, you, you're talking about like peak experience in life for me, pizza, my daughter and a comic book film. The best. Everything is right in the world. It was like the you, you, you were reading Arrival this weekend, so you you were having peak experience because you're a sci-fi nerd. Well, I had this like kind of awesome thing happen where my phone died overnight because it didn't charge. It wasn't seated right on the wireless charger. So then on Sunday morning, I got up and nobody else was up. Mm. And I read a book on the couch, like some sort of bizarre old school. What? I lit a candle. I didn't really. But I, mean, I was just like, is, is it is it like the before times pre-industrial age? Like what is happening? A book on paper, physical on book. paper. Did you yeah. make yourself a cup of tea? It's amazing. A spot of tea. And no, gross. I, what is with like, tea? Why is everybody into tea now? I just have you noticed like, this? Like tea is like I was ascendant stereo- or stereotyping you as like, just you know. have coffee. All right, Jerks. I just thought you were trying to celebrate the moments of your life. You know, I know. Like, I really like, like it's almost feels have. like it's a TV commercial. Like, you're doing it for me. Speaking of doing coffee. it for me, <laughs> friend of the pod, Brad Gerstner, decided he, uh, you know, he's a shareholder in this meta corporation, and he decided yeah. he had had enough yep. of losing money, apparently. Apparently. As Mark Zuckerberg, you know, spends money like a drunken sailor on this VR debacle, and Brad Gerstner decided he would write an open letter. Now, he's, he's got a lot of Facebook stock, and as we've talked about, Zuckerberg has these super shares like he his Zuckerberg's like great 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 grandchildren are going to control this company based on <laughs> the way he structured the, the, way he the voting shares. It, yeah. mm-hmm. But maybe you can give us an overview of this uh, letter that Brad wrote. Yeah, this is a shot across the bow. Mm. Uh so it is, as you said, an ob- open letter published to Mark Zuckerberg and the Meta board, urging them to tighten their belt and sharpen their investment focus. The plan would 2x annual free cash flow to $40 billion, double down on AI, 
mm-hmm. but put a cap on metaverse related investments. So not that kind, not the metaverse kind of AI. For some context, of course, Meta has been uh, tanking to quite an astonishing degree, actually. Meta stock is down 55% compared to an average 19% for its big tech peers. It's down, that's over the last 18 months, it's mm-hmm. down 60% just in the past 52 weeks. We'll get to the letter and some of those details in a minute, but there was a comment from Bill Gurley almost immediately in response to Brad Gerstner's tweet about the open letter saying Meta's PE ratio has fallen from 23x to 12x. It now trades at less than half the average PE of its peers. And so this... (laughs) Price to earnings ratio. Price to earnings ratio. Yeah. So how much money you make times... Yeah, how much money you times your stock price, right? Yeah, uh, your market cap. So you divide the market market cap cap. by yeah, so what's interesting is that I think for a while, people have been looking at that PE ratio, for example, they've been looking at Meta's declining stock price, they've been saying Meta still makes tons of money on its ad business, despite this like weird metaverse distraction, we think this might be a buying opportunity, like there's been a little bit of a slack in the system, right? I think let out like, well, we'll just see where it goes and what it goes. And all of a sudden, it ever, apparently everybody's reached the breaking point all at once. And they're like, you got to pull it together as evidenced by this open letter. Yeah, this is something that's been brewing to give people a little sort of back channel on this because you know, we're all in the same peer group. Bill Gurley has been talking about this for years. He's blogged about it publicly. Mm-hmm. So I'm not mm-hmm. speaking out of school here. But we've all had a conversation since Google decided when they figured out their money printing machine, they said it's best for us. And we've talked about this on the show many times Mel, to just hire every single person we can. Mm-hmm. Uh, because we have so much cash, we have so much free cash flow. FCF. Why FCF. not just hire talented people and figure out what they're going to do later. So imagine a basketball team like let's say the Lakers or the Warriors were printing so much money that people were paying a million dollars for season tickets as opposed to you know 50,000 or 100,000 for season tickets. Mm -hmm. And uh, the sponsors were paying a billion dollars to sponsor the arena. And there was just tons of cash there. And there was no salary cap. Well, what would be the logical thing for you know, the folks at uh, uh, the Warriors to do it would be to hire every single person You say, Hey, Kevin Durant, you're making 50 million a year, we'll pay you 200 million a year. And then you have Kevin Durant coming off the bench. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, or, you know, your 30th best player would be the CEO, or be the star player of the Lakers, right? You know, you'd have LeBron coming off the bench, whatever it is. That's what happened in Silicon Valley, with mm-hmm. the talent wars. This was a, this was done explicitly by the Google team to block people from creating competitors and Facebook followed suit. Now, the the mm-hmm. number of employees at Facebook is truly extraordinary. There's 85,000 people there. And I think three or four years ago, he mentions in his letter, there were 25,000. So you have to ask yourself, like, why do you have triple the number of employees? What are they actually right. doing? Right. And that's it what was, nobody can figure out. It was its very own catch and kill strategy. Yes. Like, scoop them all up, give them yeah. a de minimis amount of work, pay them plenty, and nobody else can get to hire them. Correct. And so this strategy, though, in a down market, uh, when people are like, hey, why would I buy, you know, I have other options with my money. And I, I got to think logically here, the combination of too many people and $10 billion a year being burned, incinerated on VR headsets, mm-hmm. on this crazy debacle, it's just weird. It's just like those two things together, I think, are what are depressing. And apparently, nobody wants to own the stock. Uh, but this is Bill Gurley's influence on I think, the peer group of, mm-hmm. you know, him saying like, hmm, and I think Uber, Twitter, 
and Google, a number of these companies are going to face something similar, which is why not be more profitable, buy back your shares, and maybe give a dividend. All of those things would be on the table to drive yeah. the, the, the share price up. All right, Linode startup program is called Rise. Like you want your revenue and your user counts to go up. And it offers more than just free credits. The benefits are, in a word, insane. You get up to $10,000 per month in year one credits, followed by a 50% and 25% discount for the next two years. There are no caps and you get a lifetime discount based on your usage. Free, 24 seven, 365 day a year award-winning support. There's no tiers and there's no handoffs. Cloud consulting experts ensure that your tech stack will scale seamlessly, right? Plus the community. Connect with other program members, the alumni, the advisors, and more. And shout out to Linode, which was recently acquired by Akamai. They've announced 12 new global locations coming in 2023. Their service is going to become even better as they plan to have 200 data centers across the world very soon. With Akamai plus Linode, you get access to leading security and CDN solutions, content delivery networks to make your site fast and resilient. Linode.com slash twist, L-I-N-O-D-E.com slash twist. And you can immediately try out Linode with $500 in free credits, no questions asked. And you can also apply to their startup program, Rise, which I suggest you do. Think about this. Rise members receive up to $120,000 in free infrastructure credits during their first year. And you get 50% discounts thereafter. Great job to my friends at Linode. Congratulations on the acquisition. Linode.com slash twist. Let's talk a little bit about what's in the letter. And then I want to talk about, I actually do want to talk about this approach of an open letter because it's very interesting. It's very aggressive. Uh, Brad opens the letter by stating, quote, I am sharing an open letter strongly encouraging Meta to streamline and focus its path forward. Like many other companies in a zero rate world, Meta has drifted into the land of excess. Too many people, too many ideas, too little urgency. This lack of focus and fitness is obscured when growth is easy, but deadly when growth slows and technology changes. So uh, as we mentioned, it's a three-step plan to double FCF to $40 billion per year, including reduce headcount expense like you were just talking about by at least 20 percent and take that number of employees back to a mid 2021 level so not even you know i mean it's like the number of employees is up 3x from 25,000 to 85,000 in just last four years this is talking about getting rid of a relatively small number of those employees reduce annual capex by at least five billion dollars meta has apparently gone from 15 billion in annual capex in 2018 19 and 20 to 30 billion in annual capex in 2022 Mm. that is not inclusive we should be clear of the metaverse expenditures like Mm. that's just you know the money they're using to acquire upgrade and maintain physical assets like property plants building technology or equipment so there's so he's saying cut that by five billion before you even get to metaverse but also Mm. cut cap metaverse spending at five billion dollars a year Yeah, I mean, they have so much cash coming out of that big machine known as Facebook, it's so Mm -hmm. profitable, that, you know, they can do things like build huge campuses, they can buy land and buildings. And then also, obviously, you know, paying to make these headsets, and then nobody using them. And even though they're expensive, or whatever, you know, they're obviously subsidizing them a bit. So yeah, it's a lot of capex. uh, And it's probably largely unnecessary. And you know, 10% of 85,000 is 8500 people, you know, now so you double that, and Mm -hmm. uh, you get to 17,000 people, right? So 17,000 people, and Brad mentions this, like, hey, 
listen, I know these are real people, but understand, and again, back to the sort of common uh, discussion going on, he says, those people would go back into the startup ecosystem, they easily find jobs. So I know these are people with families in some cases and bills to pay, you don't really have to worry about them. So that kind of dovetails with maybe the unwinding of this catch and kill strategy, this, you know, taking players off the market strategy. Um, mm -hmm. And maybe it's unnecessary to do that. And it would be better to take that money and maybe buy back your stock or give a dividend or just have more money uh, and more profits, which would then make it more attractive to buy the stock. He closes the letter by saying, quote, we don't have any demands. We simply wanted to further engage and continue sharing our thoughts as an interested shareholder. We believe in this team. We know Meta has more reach, more relevance, and more incredible opportunities from, for growth than almost any platform on the planet. So yeah. here we are all familiar with the famous scene in Succession where yeah. Adrian Brody yeah. plays their biggest investor calls Logan Roy to him, like ultimate power play, makes him go on this like crazy walk. There we go. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I was like, you got to get the picture of him in all his layers and his like hoodie and stuff because his well, you style, know layers are for players. His style is not dissimilar to Brad, who in the, the few times I have met him <laughs> seems to be a kind of a casual, <laughs> like a meme. kind of a casual, yeah. oh dear God, we put his face on Adrian yeah. Brody. But yeah. so like that was a private meeting as portrayed uh -huh. in the movie. And it was a really or the show. Yeah. It's a really big deal. It's like, I'm a huge investor and I have concerns. I have to assume, and I do not know anything here, but I have to assume that meetings like this must have occurred with Mark Zuckerberg. Of course they have. Yeah. Yeah. So of course. to me, I mean, what is, is really a... interesting about this letter is that it is being published in public. Cause that suggests to me that the Adrian Brody clam bake meetings did not work. Precisely. Your, your assessment would undoubtedly be correct. So yeah, of course, these conversations have occurred. Uh, management frequently meets with large shareholders, you gotta take the temperature, hey, because they could buy more shares, they mm -hmm. could trim their position. So you want to at least know what they're thinking. And so all of the large companies know who owns whether wh whether it's Altimeter or Fidelity or whoever owns large positions, I just want to check in with them. Hey, uh, how's things going? And this is uh, pretty much an activist uh, letter. Mm -hmm. Now, it's not demanding board seats or demanding governance changes or demanding a change in personnel. It's just making some suggestions. So on the scale of like constructive private, constructive private notes to activism, this is like somewhere in between. Yeah, it's constructive, yet forceful public feedback. And now pretty aggressive. What, yeah. Yeah, so the fact that it's public, you're correct, is like 10 times more aggressive than giving it privately. But it, it what it signals to me is frustration, mm -hmm. that the message, if you were going to game theory this, the message was delivered at the clam bake. The message wasn't taken, it was ignored. Mm -hmm. And okay, next step is we make it public. Now, the next step of this is we sell the sh st stock and we clear our position and we're yeah. done. And then the stock yeah. goes down more because if large institutions are selling, that means who's buying? retail, I don't know other institutions, but you know, you probably have a better place to put your money than a company that does yeah. not have financial discipline, we better own Apple, better own Tesla, better own Uber, better own Microsoft, there are better options. And that's where the peer group comes in. If their PE is half of their peer group, what that says is just people are sellers of the stock, and it just keeps plummeting down. So I, the question from here is, does Zuckerberg even care? Yeah. I mean, if he doesn't care in private, it, you know, it's so interesting because I read this letter, you know me to be a bit of a cowgirl. Mm. And you've seen 
<laughs> the occasional yeah, response that I have when I perceive that someone's trying to tell me what to do. Sure. And I am not going to lie to you. I had that response reading this letter. And you know me to be no Mark Zuckerberg yeah. defender here. Mm-hmm. But I read this letter and I was like, huh, if yeah. I were the God King of my thing and I believed mm-hmm. in my own genius and yeah. I was like, nobody understands that I'm making a long-term play. I would read this and I would be furious. I'd be like, this is short-term thinking. You're mm-hmm. just following the crowd with this AI thing. I have a vision that's bigger than all of you, you fools. Mm-hmm. Like, It made me wonder what the, is there an expectation that this will actually land in a way that could change the trajectory of the company? Um, Because I I would get pissed. It's part of a process. (laughs) Yeah. It's part of a process. And so the next part of the process is, do people keep selling their and moving their position out of meta into a competitor, right? So... That's the key issue here. If you look at this chart, you'll see Meta's revenue versus total operating expenses. And, mm-hmm. you know, in a, in a tech company, these things, your operating expense should not grow in parallel with your revenue. In other right. words, like it's, it's a fixed cost business in some ways. Right. You should have a fixed cost. The more people who buy your software, like the next incremental purchaser of your service or product should not, you know, if you get one more dollar in software revenue for Canva, for Figma, for Adobe, one more dollar in advertising revenue, you shouldn't see a dollar in expense. You might see 10 cents or five cents, but you shouldn't see like a full dollar because you're giving something that's digital, right? It's, I mean, sure, you need more servers, but you don't need an exact amount to the revenue. Now with something like but now he's building an entire planet that costs money. Right. You have to invest it's a in the future. Planet. It's if a you're building planet. a whole new entire world mm. universe, even it costs money. Yeah. You have to, in, you have to spend money to make money. Don't you in a long term, you know, like I'm just saying, I think I could imagine the argument, even though I think you're totally right. I would be surprised if there was an expectation that Zuckerberg was going to see this, receive it in some way that he had not received earlier conversations in private and go like, yeah, you know what, you're right. I'm going to trim the sales here. I'm going to dial it back. Well, now take a look at this chart. And this is um, looking at um, Alphabet, aka Google, Meta, aka Facebook, nobody can call their service what we all call it as civilians. You notice that trend too? Like, well, yeah, I'm not I told you when they changed the name, I was like, that's, that's the biggest red flag to me ever. When you change your name as a company, you're screwed. Yeah, so I'm just gonna call this what it is. Green Mm -hmm. in this chart is Google. Google. Blue is Facebook, the the Facebook corporation. I'm not going for your silly names. But if you look, you notice the light green to the dark green. You notice that gap between those two widens over time. In other words, they become more profitable, right? So there's their operating expense at 20 billion in 2022 and their, uh, you know, revenue over at 69 is quarterly. Now, Google's OpEx was only 20 billion compared to Facebook's 15 billion. You know, like a third more, 30%, let's say. But then you look at the top line, 28 versus 69. It's more than double top line. So that just shows you like, in other words, for every dollar Google spends, they make more than three. For every dollar Facebook is making, they're making, it spends, they're making two. They, you know, and so that's just where you see the, it's a f- operational efficiency. Now, of course, if you were to take out this, you know, billions of dollars in salaries and billions of dollars in this investment in uh, VR, you know, you'd be concerned. Now, I, I can see this two ways. If you, as a shareholder, want to bet on the future and you believe VR and AR is the next mobile, then Facebook 
is uh, doing something crazy. And they're not operating this business for efficiency, they're operating it for the future. The promise of VR is more important than the profitability of today. So buy the shares, if you believe in that vision, if you are a cutthroat shareholder, and you only want the shares to go up in value, uh, then you would invest in a company that buys back their shares and operates purely for profit or mostly for profit. Now, if you look at Microsoft and Apple, they do buybacks, they I think Microsoft gives dividends, right? So you, you start to look at those two companies, they're saying, you know what, we're tech companies, we're growing at this incredible clip. But we're also going to give you a lot of value here in terms of how we manage this business and throw off cash. In the case of Microsoft, it's the dividend in case of Apple, they do a lot of buybacks. And so I think this is why Warren Buffett is in love with Apple. And many people are in love with Microsoft and in a down market, people are going to look at these fundamentals almost makes me want to make a J trade here. This is what I'm talking about. Like there was something about this letter. Do, but I know like there was something about this letter that made me go like, oh, hang on here. I don't want to be in this uncomfortable position, but they're making a long term bet and they might be right. I don't know. One thing I did think was really interesting, though, in the replies mm -hmm. to um, Brad's original tweet was from someone who tweeted Henry Avery. As someone who spends 50 million plus on ads annually, mm. I can tell you they have completely neglected advertisers. As of late, mm. their ad targeting went from the best in the industry to unusable and unprofitable. TikTok is superior. Zuck Whoa. needs to be right about the metaverse or meta is a zero. I would like to get somebody on <laughs> to try to collaborate or corroborate this opinion. Yeah. If I don't know if this is related to the Apple changes or not. But this to me felt like a real bomb. Like it's one thing to say, yeah. because then there's no hope that that revenue line keeps going higher, right? Like the ad machine has been a money printing machine. That's just been unstoppable. Yeah, what if that goes down? Now the what gap between the two, yeah, yeah, those things, if that starts coming down and expenses have been going up, well, now you're gonna become not a profitable company, you can become a break even company or something. And then people are gonna totally say, well, what, how does this valuation even make sense? Uh, I do think directionally, I've heard the same thing for my startups. Uh, and so field report is startups who were spending hundreds of 1000s, millions of dollars, hundreds of 1000s a month, millions of dollars, 10s of millions of dollars a month on Facebook and Instagram, to sell apps to sell software, are telling me it's not worth it. It's not working anymore. D to C company started telling me last year. Now this is all because of the tracking that you can no longer do on phones because Apple, you know, gave that headwind. Mm -hmm. uh, to the industry and said, you know what, you can't track people even anonymously on their phones. So that's a headwind. And should Zuckerberg be hiding in Burlingame by the airport in a virtual world? Or should he be fixing these problems? Exactly. And if the leader like, that's is saying, a real problem. Yeah, I mean, this would be like me not showing up for the pod or investment team meetings and be like, well, what, what are we supposed to take from this? Right? Like, when the leader where the leader spends their time, that kind of signals something. And uh, the focus level at Facebook on their advertising is horrific. All right, listen, this brand has a special place in my heart. The founders, Brandon and Carmen, are Twist listeners. They've been for a long time. And they told me they started this company, I kid you not, after listening to the pod and reading my book, Angel. Oh my God, that warms my heart. In fact, their first angel investor wound up being a big hit. What did they do with the money they made? They use the returns from that investment to start a macadamia nuts business. I am crazy. Happens to be my favorite nut. I love it with dark chocolate. And you can see this graphic on the screen. 
Not all nuts are created equal. This is why you need to get in on macadamia nuts. Compared to peanuts, almonds, cashews, and walnuts, macadamia nuts are higher in omega-7s. That's what's been linked uh, to fat loss and natural collagen. And they have more healthy fats. They also have less carbs because, uh, you know, listen, I'm trying to lose a little weight here. And the product is vegan, keto, and paleo. Take it from me. I eat these macadamias all the time. They're totally delicious. And I love the bars. They have spicy ones. They've got dark chocolate covered ones. Here's what I want you to do. Here's your call to action. Get in on macadamias. I'm all in on them. Houseofmacadamias.com slash twist right now for 20% off just for being a listener. The nuts are delicious. The bars are amazing. And of course, the dark chocolate dip packs are my favorite. Houseofmacadamias.com slash twist. Let's take a look at one more chart here. And this is uh, critically important. So now we're looking at alphabet i'm sorry google and facebook's revenue right that's your that's your top lines the big mm -hmm. green line 69.69 billion for google last quarter and then 28.8 billion for last quarter for facebook okay there's mm -hmm. a lot of money now let's look at the capital expenditures yeah they're almost at the same for those of you In who are not watching yeah we're looking at charts here yeah yeah the, the blue chart, the, the dark blue, it turns out Meta is spending more on CapEx to make $28 billion. They're spending $7.5 on CapEx. And uh, Google's spending but $6.8 billion to make $69 billion. What's so they're, I mean, I, this would be mm -hmm. as if Google, if, this, if Google's making 2x more, that means Google would be spending like, 15 billion on capex if these ratios were the same but they're well, not you know in other words they're more efficient you know what's bonkers about this is that we're actually talking about alphabet <laughs> like we're being mm -hmm. snotty here but yeah. it is relevant in this case that we're talking about alphabet because alphabet makes hardware alphabet sure. has multiple waymo. divisions alphabet yeah. has exactly x and waymo underneath it and is still spending less on capex they've controlled that they have controlled that and meta yeah. i mean that's where you do really see i think we're talking ourselves out of your j trade by the way because this mm -hmm. is a stunning lack of discipline which is why you know brad is you know i guess probably at his wits end i think you know the next thing is he just he should just take the loss and sell his shares i think that like this is i think so too i don't think this letter gets call. him anywhere I think, yeah. this I think this is like last call for him. He's like, okay, listen, <laughs> I, I'm a loyal patron of this restaurant, but if you don't fix the food, I'm out. You know, you know, you have like a restaurant you love mm -hmm. and you've been going there for years and then it goes downhill and like, you're just like, oh, the service is terrible now and my food came out cold and, and at some point you just give up and you're like, oh, I used to love that place, but. Do you tell him yeah. or do you just walk though? Like, this is where I'm still trying to figure out like, nah, what you is tell the them, If you care, you is tell the them letter about being nice. I guess if you're like, if you have a relationship and you've been, but. Yes, but you're, a, you're a regular. It's a little bit of a, it's a little bit of a Yelp post though. They, that's the, right. Again, mm. there's the private conversation versus the Yelp huh. review. Like mm. Brad just posted a Yelp review. I'll do that. Uh, that's that's who i am too i'll do that too i will tell the manager it's harsh hey listen i love this restaurant yeah my food came out cold the last two times the service has been dismal it took for a long time for it to seat us you know uh, the drinks came late whatever it is i would tell the manager i tell the owner if i knew them if i was a regular mm -hmm. and then i would i'm in fact uh like a bit of a karen if i gave something a four or five star review on yelp and then it sucks like every quarter i get like an email from because i was yelp elite for a little while which makes me feel mm -hmm. good uh, every now and again, they're like, hey, rate these restaurants. I'm like, you know what? That's my civic duty to do that as a foodie. And I'll go rate them. And I will change my rating. 
I will go back and I'll say update. Oh, I'll edit it and I'll say update. This update. was four stars. It's now three. Here's why. <laughs> uh, and it, I'm uh, maybe I'm a Karen. I'm screaming into what's the male version of a Karen? Is it a Ken? I I don't. I think it is such a sexist, stupid term anyway. So I don't know. I guess it's a Ken. Like a Ken. it's a Brad. Just be a Karen. <laughs> I'm a Just Brad. take the gen. You're a Brad. <laughs> that could Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. He's, just Brad take went gender. Karen on him. Just take. You know what? Karen could be a gender neutral term. You could still be a Karen. I think it's general neutral. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, well, you know, I have this. Amazing. Uh, I have this uh, dark web signal group. Update. Yeah. I have a dark web signal group, and they are going wild with the Brad <laughs> and Zuck memes. You, you saw that first one uh, with him as uh, Adrian Brody uh, from did. Billions, mm -hmm. the clam bake. Succession. But here's yep. another one that came up. Uh, this is the classic Superman making a decision of what to do. Never there gets it is. old. Never gets old. Never gets old. We have our two buttons in case you're, again, once, if you're not watching on YouTube, you probably should be youtube.com slash this weekend. But here we have the classic Superman dilemma. On the left, we have the shareholder value button. On the right, we have personal pet project. <laughs> so and cruel. then we have a sweaty suck, just stuck, doesn't even know what to do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, or uh, this was my favorite. The old mm. Kylo Ren from the oh, terrible yeah. Star Wars films when he wants more power, more power. And more. it's it's Brad Gerstner saying more free cash flow. <laughs> <laughs> more more all right oh, well speaking about I mean, listen, i hope it works but if not brad just sell just walk away speaking of mismanagement mm -hmm. you remember the fire fest right <laughs> that kid's out of jail by the way i can't wait to see how much money Andreessen harwitz gives him for <laughs> his next idea say that i'm so glad you said it and not me yeah. you're already blocked uh, i'm just unfollowed <laughs> i'm still skating the line Skating, yeah, that's the process with Mark Andreessen. He unfollows you, there. then he blocks you. Yeah. Uh, but he'll be back. He'll be back. I'm convinced he'll be back. Fate loves irony. So Fire yes. Festival was on a an island in the Bahamas. It was a disaster for those of you who didn't see the two competing documentaries. Both documentaries have something to offer. I highly recommend both. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, if you mm -hmm. paid thousands of dollars because the Kardashian slash Jenners told you to do it and they never showed up. And they got paid 50 grand or something to tweet this BS. They are now taking the island that Billy McFarlane <laughs> christened uh, for his luxury con artist, Billy McFarlane, I should say. I mean, so Con amazing. artist, Billy McFarlane, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. back in 2017. I mean, this is becoming ancient history now. They're going to make luxury crypto condo community? What? I mean, okay. So apparently uh, a company called AGIA International. And we really need to do some proper Columbo here on whether Billy McFarland is associated with this operation or not, is claiming that it will sell, quote, 60 ultra luxurious pavilions and villas ranging from a thousand to six and a half thousand square feet on this island. We do mm. not know, by the way, anything about this company. We cannot find anything more than a website. But mm. it seems to have, it doesn't even seem, it is only purchasable via NFT. So you can only buy mm. this property. It will be the only community, quote, strictly sold via NFTs. According to the website, residents will be hatched $10,000 to get on the allow list. And homes are expected to range from one and a half to five million dollars. So they've just gone with the, the the complete lack of irony that you might expect from the crypto community. They're just repurposing without comment 
Mm. And in fact, even saying, yes, it's, you know, I don't know that they're bragging about how it's the site of the fire festival, but without comment, they're repurposing this island <laughs> site of the biggest debacle in uh, recent influencer memory and turning it into basically like a crypto influencer island slash yeah, there's, company. there's nothing sketchy here but apparently you pay ten thousand dollars for an nft just to get on the list that get you on the list to mm -hmm. buy homes for a couple million bucks no all you get there is the right to mint the right to ownership nft got it okay yeah. so that couldn't possibly be nah. a grift I i've never heard an allow list price what is it, an allow list price it's like you give me ten thousand dollars and yeah you give um, me ten thousand dollars and then i let you it's like a per seat license thing totally that's exactly yeah. what it is it's the right to buy it in the first place well anyway listen <laughs> anyway don't do this i i would advise people to yeah um if you're doing a real estate community and nfts are in any way involved that's a big red flag and then if billy mcfarland is involved it's just like every red flag in the world waving at you we don't yeah. know that he is we have no idea we don't but and we literally have no idea because you can't find anything more than a website and a linkedin page with eight followers and two employees about this entire hmm. company hmm. that's showing these incredible renderings of like beautiful houses with infinity pools that are definitely going to be built there because nothing has ever gone wrong there before hmm. i mean i don't know man but okay it's your 10K. You know what? It's your 10K. And if it turns out Billy McFarland is behind this, I will not be in the slightest bit surprised. The The bad news here is for the people running this grift, and it feels like a grift to me. Uh, that's my personal opinion. That this would have been, if it is in fact a grift, the perfect grift for 2020. Yep. If this was 2020, oh, yeah. this grift would have just gone supernova. I mean, they it's would a have really sold good all call. Yeah, the, I mean, Badly just times everything, grift. folks. If you're yeah. going to do a crypto real estate grift in 2022, when people's portfolios are down 20, 30, 40%, you might not find too many buyers. Like they may want to yeah. buy Amazon or something. Yeah. They may not want to buy your shares and your NFT grift, but whatever. I mean, if it is a grift, I don't know. It feels what, grifty uh, to me. You never know. You never know. Yeah. All right. But if I was just going to buy like a really fancy house with an infinity pool on an island, I maybe just would want to use money. Yeah. Listen, founders, very important. If you're in SaaS or you're in services and you store customer data in the cloud, you need to be SOC 2 compliant yesterday. And you don't, you might be hearing this and you may not even know what SOC 2 is, or maybe you heard about it. You know you're behind the eight ball. Let's get this solved today. This week, I want you to be compliant from a third party so that you can close big deals. Do it now. Do not look like a, a dope. When you try to close a deal and they're like, do you have SOC 2? And you're like, uh, that long pause, that's going to be the sound of them going to your competitor. Use Vanta, which makes it incredibly easy to get and renew your SOC 2. On average, Vanta customers are SOC 2 compliant in just two to four weeks and compare that to three to five months without Vanta. And they partner with over two dozen audit firms who have been trained to file SOC 2 reports directly within Vanta. I was able to invest in Vanta. It's a great company. A bunch of my portfolio founders have used Vanta. They've had amazing experiences. They give it their highest rating. And and let's just be clear here. If you're not SOC 2 compliant, you can't close major customers. It's that simple. It's one of the first things they're going to ask for. Here's the best part of this ad read. Vanta loves this week in startups. They want to support founders and they want to support founders early. And they don't want you to break the bank. So they're going to give you $1,000 off. Think about that. Get $1,000 off at vanta.com slash twist. V-A-N-T-A dot com 
slash T-W-I-S-T, $1,000 off Vanta.com slash twist. Get your sock to now. It looks like there's a Divi Holmes hit piece in Fast Company. Uh, we'll have to have Adina come on and talk about it, but I thought we'd, I'd just queue it up. Mm-hmm. And so this, you know, I'm, I'm almost reticent to go after this story yeah. right now because I don't see Divi has responded to it. So I guess the question is, do we cover it now? I don't know. It, it does feel or like do sort of um, one-sided, right? It feels one-sided. And a misunderstanding. It, exactly. I mean, I think the only reason we brought it up is because, like, it feels really one-sided. And, like, maybe a lady CEO hit piece in disguise. And hmm. I don't know if we like it. But, yeah, maybe we should just wait and see how this shakes out a little bit before we give it more play. Yeah, I mean, because we have access to Adina, so we mm-hmm. can just have her come on tomorrow and talk about it, as opposed yeah. to... All right, so yeah. let's do this. We can, we can leave this in the show, that there was a hit piece on Divi Homes and Fast Company. Mm-hmm. We've read the article. Mm-hmm. We have the notes. But feels hit piece-ish to us, in our judgment, right? We both agree? Yeah, it, it does, actually. It's a pretty snotty piece. It's got tone. Yeah. It's got a tone, and so we'll just make a little bit of, uh, we'll call an audible here. We will, we're aware of the story. Mm -hmm. Instead of detailing the story now, let's ask Adina to come on tomorrow or the next day, and uh, we'll detail the story and get her response, because she's a friend of the pod. So Nick, uh, leave this in the show, Molly and I making this decision, and then open invite to Adina to come on the show in the next day or two, or send us some notes. And then we'll Mm -hmm. cover it then, when we get her side. We'll make it, it's like being uh, editorially fair. Right. Yeah. Which the story doesn't feel. It doesn't. No, it does not. It does not Mm-mm. feel. Uh, this is the thing. When you have one bad customer review, and then a journalist decides to make that the focus of a piece, I always find that quite unfair. Or even a hundred, right? Like, that's, it's, in terms of scale. Right, depends on the denominator, right? A hundred out of on a the denominator, Exactly means nothing 100 right. out of 500 means something one in five right. right so there is some point at which a bad review counts so yeah right or number but of bad reviews it's not but this a, doesn't the, feel like this it. had a very like i don't know it had a very cannon fodder feel to it i did not i did not care for the tone personally felt like a hit piece and felt like we, a hit piece and we are, uh, we believe, I, I speak for Molly on this uh, behalf, because we've both discussed it here. We believe collectively that women are getting hit pieces on startup founders who are female are getting hit with this bullshit, sorry, this BS, harder than men are. The bar for a hit piece for a woman is like, I told somebody to do their job, mm-hmm. <laughs> like that I'm paying them for. Mm-hmm. And it's never accompanied by... I mean, listen, this is, and we will talk about this, it's a hard business to be in. The human elements are real. And when things go wrong, they can go very wrong. And it, and it can be a big bill attached and a very disruptive situation for the humans involved, right? Like it's a tough business. Because and it's also, people's homes. Because it's people's homes. And also, once you're, as soon as you get to the part in the story, and I was just waiting for it, line by line, where you bring up the founder by name. And you talk mm. about how she likes to use her history and you make a little side swipe at her Ivy League education. Oh. Then it's just like, okay, here we are. Here it is. Here it is. Yes. Here it is. It got personal. Got yeah, when personal. it gets personal, that is like a, a huge tell that the person who wrote it maybe has some issue with the person. Now, uh, yeah, 
that that is actually a really interesting point like but it's just like there it is right like if you like i just want to go but i even started this morning and of course ran out of time because we had a show to do to look through all the fast or the fast company like archives recent stories like Mm. show me a story that's just a hit piece on a company and its business model that doesn't have this kind of like personal Mm -hmm. yes like as soon as it does i know that there's a woman ceo involved and i'm it's not to say that women ceos can't screw up but it's well, of just course like again. the cadence of the hit piece on the lady CEO is like about every, you know, 10 well, yeah. and to then, 18 you know, months. The next thing like, is going to be, you can, you can always tell like, and they're like, oh, and she has her nanny. Right. Uh, she has her two nannies with their baby at the office and set up uh, a playroom for a kid at the office. And it's like, yeah, because she's a mom and she's taking care of the kid and she's got means to have a nanny and the dad, you know, I go to work. I, of course, there's nannies here taking care of my kids when I'm at work. What do you think I'm doing? I'd throw them in the backyard. Mm-hmm. But nobody would ever say like, oh, venture capitalist Jason Calacanis brought his nanny with him to a speaking gig. You know, like when I yeah. go to a speaking gig and I bring my kids or, you know, or something, I'm at an event with my kids. Yes, there's two nannies with us. Three kids, two nannies. Yes. Uh, yeah, okay. I have some amount of means as a CEO founder. Yes. And I'm not carrying my kids with me, but I, I might bring a nanny. But yeah. a woman brings a nanny. Oh, that's got to be in the story. That's part of the hit piece, you know, yeah. it's just a double standard. The double, it, it's a BS double standard. It just is. And this is a really, and because this is such a snarky piece, like snarky, right? It's like that you can't, that, that frankly, we'd just rather have a conversation with her. I'll go straight to the source and say, yeah. I mean, I, this is, reminds me of the Away CEO one where she gave it like does. the big it speech. It has that like, same tone where it's just same like. Same tone as the Away piece. Yeah. Yeah. And then the, in the Away piece, they're like. She's white and the, the people who are in the this industry, you know, in this group were people of color. And it's just like, what, what are we even talking about here? Like, what does that have to do with anything? Like, she, she's, she said to the people who are working in the department that does customer support to work harder during Christmas, because that's when we sell most of our stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, everybody gives that speech. Hey, let's go, everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, Amazon gives that speech. Bezos gave that speech countless times. Hey, it's go time. It's yeah. Black Friday. It's yeah. Cyber Monday. Let's go, team. Even like, we're not here for work-life balance. It's go time. This is our busy, right? Like, all of that is just within the, I, it's just like, it's so, yeah. yeah. It's I, like, I mean, cloaked claims. It ends with like, Divi is happy to be your landlord indefinitely. I'm sorry, uh, what? what? Like, it's not, it's, it's, it's I a think they're piece. happy to have you as a customer either way. If you buy it's the home or your landlord, yeah. It's a hit piece. Yeah. It's a hit piece. Um, you know, I, I, I tell people straight up, you, you've been in the meetings. Hey, if you're going to work for me in an investment company, fixed 50, solid 60. I'm referring to the hours per week. Why do I say that? I, I, literally, we had our offside. I was working on the culture. And I was like, listen, don't work here if you're not willing to answer the phone if a founder calls on Saturday night at 10 p.m. and get out of the movies and go handle that situation. That's what we do. Yeah. So we do. It's not, a, this is not a nine to five. You know, the end. Don't yep. work here. Yep. Yeah. And, and, and I don't, you know what, I don't you know see what I get getting, for that? High I don't fives. see you getting dragged in past company. Exactly. Don't drag me for saying that. Yeah. I, I mean, don't see you getting like finance? literally compared. She is compared in this piece back to back with predatory lending contract yeah. purveyors in Chicago who stripped black families of three to four billion dollars in household wealth during the 1950s and 1960s. I mean, come on. Like literally That's... it's like, it's like. So Hafitz and her co-founders are doing this. And before that, there was this thing. Yeah. So same, same. 
Right. Same. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. and before Ooh. I asked people to work 50, 60 hours a week, the great pharaohs in Egypt demanded that people carry stones on their backs up to the pyramids, you know, for 80 hours a week, Just seven days like a week. J. Cal. Just like J. Cal. J. Cal and the pharaohs <laughs> who built the pyramids and forced them Modern to push day rocks. <laughs> I, yes, it's Freaking very, it's super <laughs> analogous, right? Like, literally, like, can they Modern just say, I mean, they really, Again, that's a deep pull. Take concerns. <laughs> Take yeah, have all the concern you want with the rent to own mod, right? Like it's like it's you can you can write a piece that's like, is this the right way to incentivize home ownership? Sure. And is home ownership such a goal that that right? None of that is this is not that. This is not that piece. This is Jay Cal is yeah. just like the Pharaohs. I love I love this sentence. Which by the way advocates is advocates caution. Favorite advocates. Thing. You know, just advocates. I like how we said we weren't gonna talk about the story, but it is that freaking egregious that we cannot stop. <laughs> Whatever. I mean, it's this is the world we live in right now. There's a group of people <laughs> Who are doing real, I mean, I, I defended this on All In when people were like, journalism's dead. I'm like, no, 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 no. There's just content creation and journalism I mean, sitting next to each other. And there are people doing unbelievable journalism. Yes. There are important groups yes. at the Boston Globe, the New York Times. I love Times, how he was like, you can look Reuters. up any event. He's like, you can look up any event that happened in the world. I'm like, where do you think you're going to find the story about exactly. that event? Like, come yes. on, man. And journalism is alive and well. And there are incredible moments of journalism happening Every day, every minute, people deserve Pulitzers, they deserve raises, they're doing investigative pieces, there are independent journalists doing substacks that are crushing it. Amazing. Amazing. But also yeah. next to it, as you always say, and, and, <laughs> and there's content creation. And then there's content creators who are compensated based on clicks, traffic and followers. In fact, when I was looking for a co host to join me here, Molly, one of the reasons you were on the top of the list was not just how good you are at your job. It was that at the time you had 100,000 followers mm -hmm. on Twitter. Mm -hmm. And I said to myself, well, if I'm going to bring somebody in here, it would be nice if when they tweeted about the show or that we're doing something, that maybe somebody would show up. In other words, they had a following, right? Okay. When you hire The Rock to play Black Adam, just it's a little bit of a callback. You do that in the DC universe because you know you're going to bring a group of people to the DC universe who might not have been there before. Exactly. This is a specific play they made. They wanted a mass audience who watched Fast and Furious because mm -hmm. he's part of that franchise, correct? Yeah, bro. Hello. Okay. I've never seen one. I've never <laughs> seen any Fast and Furious. I, you haven't I'm even a... seen the awesome spinoff Hobbs and Shaw, the most fun movie ever? I've, I've never sorry, seen any going. of these. Okay. I'm derailing. So I'm anyway, derailing. I know that he's involved in that. And I was talking to, is it Michelle Rodriguez who's in that? Yeah. Okay. So I know Michelle Rodriguez. <laughs> it's I've like had there's dinner. only one 14-year-old boy on this show. Okay. Well, anyway, I know Michelle Rodriguez, a friend of a friend, and I've had oh. dinner with her. And, and, and I, I sat and had a long conversation with her about the Fast and Furious. Uh, and she said to me, Jay Cal, this is the most international movie franchise in history. Chinese people, mm -hmm. Korean people, African people, Europeans, South Americans, blacks, whites, everybody in between has some representation in this and they're drawn to it. It's mm -hmm. never happened before. This is, you know, because of it's an ensemble piece, she explained to me, yeah. you know, you're bringing in all these different like, superheroes. But movie set in Tokyo. That everybody wants to, okay, you know, great. Tokyo Drift. Okay. Yeah. So there was some conscientious effort for, uh, dare I say, inclusion in that franchise that br uh -huh. brought everybody in. That's what they're doing with The Rock, right? You're, right. you're bringing in totally. to yeah. have more people in it's this. It's a big tent. They even call it, it's a big tent strategy. That's yes. literally what it's called. Anyway. 
Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, Ay. but it, this is also when they when they have the advocates, they bundle together a group of people's opinions, but without people's names. This is yeah. when like the content creators opposed to journalism. It's a little bit lazy, right? Like if you really want to go for advocates, like just give us name five one. different people's names, mm -hmm. name, name three. I think for me, I always told my people bring me three. Yeah. If you if you, you know, just so it's not like you, you cherry picked, give me three. So if there were problems, at least three people had the problem. And if there are people who have an opinion on this, let's get three people on record. And no, yep. no I never like these anonymous source name things. A study. I, Name is I have had many editors. Sure, I have literally had editors be like, if you're starting your sentence with experts say, start over. Mm. And that's what this Which is. expert? Yeah. Right. So the point being, like, people are now exactly. hiring it's based on, like, Black Adam hiring, you know, DC Universe bringing in The Rock. That's part of journalism now. It's like these super, these super journalists who have big followings. How do you get a big following? Well, we all know how you get a following on Twitter. Uh, it's by picking a side, right? Joining a tribe. Like this mm -hmm. is kind of like the playbook. And I feel like this is a little tribal, like, you know. Well, uh, beating advocates. up on tech is a hundred percent a playbook too, right? It's like Yeah, sure. Find the find the thing that and and again, this is why I brought up that housing touches a lot, it presses a lot of buttons, right? Because it does get to inequality and it does get to there is inequality. Uh, and there in has been a history of predatory lending. And the rent to own model has had a lot of scrutiny, and there is so mm. There are so many ways to do that story mm. that do not feel this uh, snotty. Yeah. I mean, I know I keep coming yeah. back to that word, but that's the tone here. It's like borderline. Tone matters. Yeah, tone matters. It, it matters feel a objective. lot. Yeah, it doesn't it feel does objective. not feel, no, come on, not in the slightest. But listen yeah. to this sentence. Advocates yep. caution that modern implementations of rent-to-own models have the potential to be just as exploitive as past incarnations. I mean, that's a lot of word salad to say nothing. Okay, you're saying... Rent to own models, past and period, uh, the, the new ones could be just as exploitive as old exploitive ones, or said another way, they could be different and not be or exploitive. Not. Right, exactly, or not. <laughs> so I could say, advocates and experts say that modern impl implementations of rent to own models could be better mm -hmm. and solve the problems of past incarnations. You literally could say the same thing. You could talk to advocates for this and say, yeah, this could be better. Yeah. But that doesn't help anybody to just put in a biased sentence like that. Advocates caution. What does it even mean? Which advocate? The, like, if you and I were editing this piece, yeah. big red pen. I'd be like, give me Which a, show advocate? me a study. Show me a study. Sure. Yeah. Like, studies are good. And, and studies are not perfect either. But you're trying to triangulate on the truth. And word salad does not get you any closer to the truth. Yeah. There could be real problems. Again, there could be real problems, but there is not a lot of proof in here. There are stories about, there are outlier stories about things that went wrong. And there are always things that go wrong in a company. But as soon as you're like, in other words, they're happy to be your landlord forever and so on and so forth, right? Particularly mm. galled by Divi's attempts to shirk responsibility in the name of like, it's just like, okay, okay. Anyway. Uh, in breaking news, we don't like advocates that. caution that people working for Jason Calacanish should work no more than 40 hours a week so that our returns can be industry standard. <laughs> and no better. I guess do question that. I mean, it's I mean, it's too. <laughs> uh, advo advocates for doing just fine and no better. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so mm. Adina, please come on. Yeah. I mean, Adina will come on, I'm sure. I mean, also, like, 
I, I believe her when she said she wanted to help this group of people. Like we've had her on the pod multiple times, mm -hmm. and then she spoke at All in Summit. Like, there's a group of people who can almost own a home, and they might want to, right. you know, select the home, buy a it massive with group. the help of DV. Like, that's the group we're talking about here. Now, is it possible that some of them maybe overreach? Sure. What's the harm? They pay a well, little there's, extra. There's real harm, and they overreach, and right? It's like, I don't. And Divi's on the hook, though. And it's not necessarily Molly. Adina's fault personally, and nor does it more. Mm. Like, when, like, I just looked up five stories about BlackRock buying a bunch of single-family homes. Nobody's mm -hmm. named here. Mm. Nobody's parent, nobody's origin story is named here. <laughs> There's no, like, around the time that Larry Fink at BlackRock decided that the total addressable market for single-family homes that could be rented out at an exploitative price, right? Like, he's not in here by name. And BlackRock is taking millions of homes off of the market every year. I mean, look at this weird sentence in this story. This is from Catherine Bracey, co-founder and CEO of nonprofit advocacy group Tech Equity Collaborative. I'm sure she's got great intent, but this is the quote. The, I'm trying to understand this sentence, too. The real danger is that the incentive structure around venture capital supercharges these models. And then the people who are building the companies don't have the historical context to understand when they may be replicating something that has created harm in the past. So they're saying Adina, who went to an Ivy League education, spent years building this business, mm -hmm. doesn't own the history, doesn't know the history of rent to own? Is that what there's is that what she's saying here? Because I I I met Adina, I spent time with her. She's brilliant. Mm -hmm. And you you're sure that she has studied this. She might be one of the biggest experts in the world mm -hmm. today on rent to own and you can be sure the venture capital is giving her funding i mean she's raised he's a this is a unicorn company you, you can be sure they understand the history of this and they've studied it and they've modeled it so it's kind of the opposite of what this person is saying right one of course they put the may in there right she's got may. that she's got that masters of in business from stanford and listen again maybe not Right? Like, mm. maybe not. Maybe there is some universe and we should always allow for the possibility in order to be as gender neutral and objective as possible that maybe she doesn't know the history. Mm. But there's no sign in this article that she's been asked directly. And the assumption throughout yeah. is that she is essentially on equal footing. She personally, mm. and I want to make this clear, right? They're not saying the company. Mm. The assumption throughout this article is that Adina personally is very likely on the same level as all those predatory lenders in Chicago in the 50s and 60s. Mm. Don't print mm. until you have her. I'm sorry. Yeah. I mean, and maybe talk to... It, 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 this is so lazy because there's a really easy thing to do here. Uh, this is my note as an editor because I was an editor in chief mm -hmm. and publisher. Started my own magazine. Started countless blogs, including Engadget, Autoblog, Joystick. These are like very famous blogs in their industry. I would just say to somebody, get me three other own. Get me three other Divi owners. Go on a Reddit some forum, go right. on Craigslist, tweet. Does anybody know anybody? Ones. Divi. Go find me more Divi owners and let's talk to them. Or you say to the company, hey, can you put us in touch with three owners? We'd like to yeah. talk to them. Yeah. I mean, that's another way to go. You just basically spend one more day. I would say one more day on the story. Get me other owners of Divi Homes. But you know, a lot of journalists, Molly, have to file daily or every two days yeah. or twice a day. And so this precludes them from doing work. Uh, and that's yes, part of the although problem. This is under the long read tag. So presumably there was more time. So then if you didn't spend the time, what would that tell you? It basically, yeah, that you want to get it out and you want to get a bunch of clicks for your hit pace. Like at this point, mm. because there is such a long history of pieces like this being aimed quite particularly at women CEOs mm -hmm. by name and having the same kind of just like 
a little over the top tone. Dramatic. I'm yeah. to the point where I no longer take it seriously. Like, I'm just like, yeah, I, I actually don't believe you. You have created such a culture of bad journalism that now when I read this piece, mm. I don't believe you. I just reflexively believe Adina here. Because yeah. your tone is that not objective and your history is so poor. And I mean mm. this as the general you, the general journalism mm. you, not this writer in particular. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway. Anyway, all right. All right. I think that's enough show for today. That's enough show for today. Enough <sighs> show for today. Uh, I know. Shake it off. Shake it off. Well, I, yeah, I mean, it's a little bit frustrating, but it is what it that's is. Right. I think just whenever you're reading these stories, we're just trying to give people a little education on how to understand if you should believe what you're reading. Yes. Anonymous sources, experts say, you know, this sort of bombastic stuff, personally mm -hmm. attacking the founder. When you start seeing those things, you, you got to wonder about the agenda of the piece. Now, you used to, right. we used to live when in a world where it, we didn't worry about agendas, right? Yeah, totally. But now we worry that, and we don't even worry, it's true. There was like a Paul Graham tweet the other day that was citing some data about headlines over the past, mm -hmm. like, 30 years. Yeah. And showing that they have gotten quite notably, like, empirically more... Yes. Uh, outrageous and angering. And I mean, we really are. I was looking up the history of yellow journalism and the law, you know, the, there was that whole journalism trend in the 1800s that led to all the libel and slander laws that we have today. Yeah. Because yeah. the goal of journalism at that time was to inflame and enrage. And there were even those who suggested that it like contributed to America getting involved in mm. a war. And I can't remember yeah. which one, but it was literally <laughs> like, I mean, it was, it felt like a mirror of this moment, and, right? It was like the yeah. march toward war. Anyway, um, yes, headlines <laughs> suggesting fear, anger, disgust, and sadness. And and this is that type of story where it's like, if you read this and you find yourself getting mad and horrified and mm -hmm. outraged and thinking yes. to yourself like, oh my God, Adina Heffitz is a predatory lender, just like Chicago in the 50s and 60s. There's a reason you feel that way. Yeah. It's the writing. <laughs> they literally used every device possible to make you feel that way. Yeah. They These experts and advocates told you to feel that way because they're experts and advocates. And, mm -hmm. you know, these are just little journalism tricks. The Spanish-American War. Ah, uh, yeah. And, and, well, and, and remember, why were they doing this kind of outrageous headlines back then? There were political agendas, of course, and they also wanted to sell papers. Mm -hmm. You know, if you walk by yeah. a paper, you see an outrageous headline, yeah. you're like, okay, I'll give a nickel to read the story on page six about that. Uh, okay, I'll jump ahead and try to read the story. And if you pick up the newspaper... And you go to page six and you start reading. The person says, hey, you can't read here. This is on the library. Give me the nickel. Right? Yep. Like kind of famous scene. It's the same thing here. Give me the click. I want yeah. the click. I want the eyeballs. I need your attention. And this Here's was a crazy headline. I need your click. There were two major newspapers and the publishers were Joseph Pulitzer and William mm -hmm. Randolph Hearst. Yeah. And the competition between the two were so fierce. I went and looked this up because I was like, this is not the most polarized that um, the media yeah. has ever been. <clears throat> but, yeah. uh, came across the story where it was like this extremely sensationalist style and the profit driven coverage of world events got so intense that it arguably in part led to America's mm. involvement in the Spanish American war. Yeah, that's a good poll. Well, and then this is why podcasting is what a nerd I am. Well, podcasting, actually, if you look at history, I've actually, I read a book on the history of journalism. Um, <laughs> no, here's the thing. Um, I'm going to take my retainer out for this. I think this is part of why 
podcasting is surging as a way for people to get the news source because it's nice to listen to stuff, right? And you, then you build a relationship with people you trust, you get to know them. And people say, Okay, Molly was a journalist, Jason was a journalist, okay, they invest in companies, they got a good 360 degree view from all sides of the table. They, you know, Jake House built companies, Molly's mm -hmm. investing in companies, mm -hmm. she's been a journalist. Okay, like, maybe when they break something down, I'll mm -hmm. get more out of that than I will just from a journalist or just from a venture capitalist doing a post, or just from an expert doing a post, you kind of can find people who have a range of experiences, get into a rhythm with them, trust them. And that's, and that's what I encourage people to do. You find some sources in podcasting, you feel you can trust, and then that becomes like part of your editorial mix. I'm not saying the only thing. Yep. But yep. part of it, mix you know, it yeah, but it could be a nice piece of it that you know, you can then build off of it. And I think this is why you're seeing this surging uh, uh, level of interest in podcasters and podcasting because a certain person Molly works as a podcaster, I think you have to have an intellectual honesty to build that trust, you have to be willing to be wrong, right? We, we, sometimes we're wrong about things. Yes. Uh, and you have to have some broad experience that people say, you know what, I, I'm listening to this person's voice, I get it. They know what they're talking about. Okay, Molly's invested in companies now. She's been at the New York Times. She's been at NPR, whatever marketplace, you know, uh, public radio. You mm -hmm. know, you, you, you collect some uh, experience in life. And then this is this is the unique thing about podcasting. And you have time. And it is. You have time. And honestly, you have the ability. You are rewarded for critical thinking. Like mm. it shouldn't be. If anything, I Good think it point. should. You should consider it. <laughs> This is I, apologies to all of my former employers. You should consider it a greater credential that I left those places. That mm. like at some point, the commitment to critical thinking mm. overrides what your editors want you to do. Mm. And I think you see journalists leave for those reasons. And and there's sort of a certain code for people who have left various places. And it usually said, I want, it's usually breaks down to, I wanted to be smarter than this. Mm. Because yeah. journalism is mass by definition and a mass audience mm. usually doesn't usually wants to get mad about stuff. Mm. They want to get mad. They want to get sad. They want to be entertained. Sex does sell. If it bleeds, it leads like all of that is just true about any mass medium. Yeah. And we have, you know, we get to we have this like beautiful opportunity to cultivate mm. smaller, smarter slices. Yeah. You can be more thoughtful. I like this sort you of be thing. More be more thoughtful, and you're rewarded for critical thinking, as opposed to penalized for it. Because, uh, you know, and, and this is where I think journalism has a, a, a structural problem. If you were to write a headline here, mm -hmm. uh, Divi Holmes is attempting to make a better rent to own model mm -hmm. would not be clicked on and it would not release the dopamine of the outrage that you get from right. this piece. Right. So the person who wrote a more accurate headline or a more accurate story or a fairer story would not get people as charged up. Now, when people get charged up, what do they do? They retweet you. So this is a very like nuanced point. There's no reason to retweet an insightful, thoughtful, critical thinking piece. It's not like if, if, if you heard our discussion here and you thought, well, that was thoughtful. Your first point isn't. I need to retweet that thoughtfulness. Wow, the Molly has really broke that down with some critical thinking. 
Now, yeah. if we were upset and angry, oh my lord, here we go. This is retweetable. It's a it's yeah. a fight. It's an argument. I have to pick a side. I, I'm a Republican. I'm a Democrat. I'm I'm a, you know whatever a coastal elite. I'm a redneck. Whatever it is, and you feel your tribe's been wronged. Yeah, you get that retweet action. What mm -hmm. does that do? It increases audience. Mm -hmm. So you also get content. You get to mm -hmm. create content and potentially get attention for it. And to Francis's point, like. I, I think we're trying, I agreed that in some ways we are being, dis, I, I agree with you, I am being dismissive of the serious issues in this piece, because mm -hmm. this piece is written in a way that makes me want to be mad about the serious mm -hmm. issues in this piece. Yes. Instead of laying them out in a, in a reasoned way with enough expertise behind them with a, with a fair treatment of the founder mm -hmm. that I believe that I have engaged, right? Because again, I have acknowledged over and over in this conversation, this could be true. Sure. But because of the way it is presented to me, because it's like, what could possibly go wrong? Silicon Valley owns the American dream. I'm already, so I'm, framing, I'm yeah. on my heels. I am defensive because this does not feel fair. Right. Well, you're Even thinking, you're, now you've gotten to this metacognition level. And anybody who spent time in the media machine mm -hmm. has this, where you're like, okay, what happened in the star chamber when they were discussing the headline? Who wrote the headline? Mm -hmm. Did the author write the headline in the subhead? Probably not. Who wrote it? Yeah, the social media group who's really good at this stuff. And then what was the editor thinking? The editor might right. be thinking, hmm, we get compensated based on our pages. We're behind Business Insider. Business Insider's writing crazy headlines every day. They're writing crazy headline pieces and trying to get your subscriber for 99 cents so that you then get billed 10 bucks a month. It, you know their game, right? Yep. They're like, let's yep. write something outrageous about these 20 people, make a listicle of 20 people, get people outraged and get them to subscribe because they can't get it anywhere else. Put it behind the paywall. Like th there's all these games being played. And, and once you've been inside the machine, you just see them. And so yeah, hopefully exactly. the audience here, we've helped you see when a piece feels biased, again, to Molly's point, could be true. Right. But we all, but J. Cal and I know what it looks like. Yeah. When, right? Like, we know what it looks like when so something obvious. is designed to get a specific response. This is yeah. our specific expertise as former journalists and media purveyors. And yeah. this is that kind of piece. It's, it's totally that kind of piece. And yeah. it could be changed so easily. Yeah. All you had to do was talk to two people who love their Divi homes. Yeah. Talk to somebody who actually was an expert on predatory loans, yeah. who actually could explain to you the contracts that people signed in those predatory loans, and mm -hmm. then pulled out the paperwork and the document that Adina makes people sign for Divi, compared those two, and then asked Adina about totally. those specific changes. So that totally. would be the way I would do it. I would find the contract that people in the 50s, 60s signed, that was predatory. Mm -hmm. That contract exists somewhere on the internet, we probably would find it in five minutes. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure Adina's contract with homeowners is available either publicly or this disgruntled homeowner would have given it to you. Mm -hmm. And then you could just pull it up and say, well, this person knew that they're responsible for making sure that, you know, the stuff in the house is replaced, you know, right, or right. whatever. And talk to the inspectors and have right, exactly. Like, we also know what it would have looked like if it had done right, been done right. And that's why we're fired up about this right now. Yeah, but anyway, we'll have Adina on. And yeah. uh, all right, it's a big week this week. So thanks for tuning in. Earning season is coming. So we got Google, Microsoft, Spotify reporting tomorrow. <laughs> and I am a shareholder in Google. And I think I J traded Microsoft as well. So I have Google and Microsoft in my portfolio. So I'm excited okay, to see what this I don't know if I have Google. Do I have, do I have some alphabet? I will find out. I definitely have some Microsoft. 
Yeah, I mean, I added Netflix. I added Netflix. And, uh, yeah. But I, I was thinking about buying Microsoft because of the Netflix. So that would have been a pair trade there. And I haven't bought Spotify yet. I'm a little concerned about Spotify, but maybe this would be a good chance for me to think about those and uh, do a little rebound. My, my portfolio is coming back. The, the gain and loss has uh, trimmed. It was a little dark there during the, the real uh, down market, but I'm only down 10% right now, which I am yeah. fine with being down yeah. 10 or 11% because I'm building this for a 10 year. Yeah. My biggest gain right now is Adobe. My biggest loss is Disney. That and on a cash basis, not a percent basis, because hmm. I bought so much Disney. But I still feel pretty good about Disney. I'm I'm actually thinking about buying more Disney. What are, what are yeah. we going to do about that Warner Brothers? Or what are we going to do with that? Ooh, Taiwan yeah, Semiconductor. Ow! Well, I might buy more. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the top, yeah, that's a that's the headwinds of the uh, global. I mean, chip they're going to get invaded, so that could be a problem. It could be a little Ooh, bit of a problem. Other- yeah. <laughs> I it, I come on this show and I keep it together and then I go back to my life and it's all UK Prime Minister and and she take over of China like all the time. That's like these are my two. If you if it, my Twitter algorithm could talk right now, it would be like, wow, this lady is only interested in international news. Let me ask you a question, Molly. Um, yeah. In our lifetime, yeah, yeah, uh, has uh, there been a nuclear war? No, no. Has it been a nuclear war since we uh, dropped the bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki? I'm not talking about nuclear war, but where did this come from? But no. I'm, I'm just putting it out there as just a general oh, statement. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. It has mm-hmm. not happened. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to happen. And uh, has chi- China invaded another country in our lifetime? I don't believe so. And it, it, Hong Kong was given back to them by the British, but that was not an invasion. You're, so, you're I, going with China is not going to invade Taiwan? I don't believe so. I don't okay. believe so. All right. I, 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 no, I'm not saying it's not possible, but I don't think it's probable. And I, I think the probable case in the world is that cooler heads prevail, that the world tips towards uh, less wars and more uh, congeniality between nations. I believe that trend continues, even if right now we are in an acute state where it doesn't feel like that. Because I'm looking at the multi-decade trend of peace in the world uh, and uh, cooler heads prevailing and things being resolved. I think Ukraine gets resolved. I don't think China invades Ukraine, uh, invades um, Taiwan. Taiwan. Uh, and I think the world bends towards justice and, and calm and resiliency. So I think this is like a dark moment in mm-hmm. the world where people are realizing how resiliency doesn't exist in the system mm-hmm. and then correcting that. Mm-hmm. And COVID plus this crisis and this war and some dictator bad behavior, it just makes everything feel chaotic. And then I think they, these things resolve themselves relatively quickly, in fact. The, the resiliency that this Ukraine war is going to create in the system and the resiliency that'll be get created in the system because of the pandemic is going to make the world more stable. And so Europe will be less dependent on foreign, uh, on, on dictator oil. The U.S. and the rest of the world will be less dependent on uh, pharmaceuticals, PPE, and chips from dictatorships. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that will, in fact, make the world more stable long term. Because then when we have discussions with dictators or other countries like that, you, you, you don't, you're not as dependent on them, right? So I feel this is like a lot of short-term pain for an extraordinary long-term game. I'm super positive. You know that. I do. Yeah. I think we have just a different, interestingly, like... Uh philosophical take on time like i think time is a wheel 
And I just think these things reoccur. Yes. And that's sort of the nature of things. And there's not a like a, I don't think we're in a storyline that progresses to an ending, happy or otherwise. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Like, I just I think agree these things reoccur in life. And then on top of that, honestly, like, that didn't you see that video of China literally of, of the cooler head being escorted right out of the meeting? Like, yeah, I don't Who knows. I, I think we, we don't the, know the, the fallacy that, is yeah. in, in assuming that the logical progression is the same in different cultures and oh, among of course. different people. There you know? could be black swan events, of course. And there could be, but I, I see here's what I think about the wheel. China's like, we're going to do China 2025. And then they direct all the resources of the country there. And then we're going to like build all these miles of rail. We're going to do that. And then we're going to do this. And then they do it. And they direct all of the resources of a country. And she has more power in the world than any single human and just stood there and was like, we're going to get back Taiwan. We're not ruling anything out. We're not taking anything off the table in terms of reunification. It is happening. And if they do it, and they lose trade partners, and those factories go dark, they'll have a revolution because nobody will have work to do. And so th these are the other balancing things that they, they have to consider. They just shut down the whole country because of COVID zero, like to, for COVID zero, they just did all that to themselves and have uh, had no revolution and have disappeared millions of people. Again, yeah, that's true. But imagine if iPhones and semiconductors are no longer made in China, and they're made in Korea, Vietnam and other places. Mm -hmm. And they don't have this influx of money coming in and their factories are not churning out products, which I think is kind of what's happening in this as the wheel spins, is that people are saying, you know what? Yeah, it's a little crazy over there. The dictatorship's a little crazy. And as the dictators go a little crazy, people will say, you know what, I have to disconnect from the dictator. And then all of a sudden, it looks more like North Korea than a vibrant economic trade partner right. of China I'm or saying Russia they that do where not Germans care. were building pipelines with them. I'm saying they 100% like she does not care about that. that uh, I think the mistake is in assuming that he cares about that. And if he doesn't, he becomes North Korea and then the people sure. take him out of power. So that, that's, but I see, I think here's the thing about the wheel. I think the wheel is trending upwards towards a, a better life for all humanity. Uh, I feel like as the wheel spins, yes, these yeah. things happen, but I feel like the, the gains in technology and democracy accrue to individuals who are living more longer than ever and less people mm -hmm. are living out of poverty than ever and uh justice I is that's true yeah i didn't yeah. i didn't i don't i don't dispute any of that yeah i also think <laughs> we would be silly to assume that history will not repeat itself it always has before it always has and societies throughout history by the way have had like a massively increased uh, quality of living and then collapsed I'm not even trying yeah. to be a bummer here. It's just more like I'm, I feel sort of Buddhist about it. It's like, I don't know, this is this is now like. I, I think know. there'll always be instability, but I do feel like the I'm, I'm in the Steven Pinker camp that things are getting so much better that mm -hmm. we don't appreciate them. So while the conflict in Ukraine yeah, feels horrible, be. it's not comparable to World War Two or World War One, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But anyway, yeah. Anyway, hmm. we, we everybody we've crack got, a call one. We've got all the happy Monday, everybody. Happy Monday, everybody. <laughs> we got all the feelings here. <laughs> we got all the feelings. I don't know. I don't have any feelings right. about crypto this. crypto roundtable this Wednesday too. I'm excited Coming about up. that. Yeah. yeah, it's gonna be a. It's just remained. Please ask him about the island. You know, I won't be here on Wednesday, so I will not get okay. to be part of the crypto roundtable with you. That's all right. That's all right. But I look forward to listening to it as a fan. Anyway, all, all right. that's coming up, and those earnings, and much more philosophical musings about the state of the world. See you all tomorrow. Bye bye. Bye-bye.